Hello and welcome everyone to a truly momentous moment. God, have I written that? No, not Norwich City claiming a Premier League point or even that we're back after enforced break. No, this is the 100th edition of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that come relegation or promotion is the best in the business at wondering what on earth is going on. I am Michael Bailey. I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, what a bunch of shankers, soup, poop and downing the claret. We will work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. Uh, we've got former Norwich City Head of Content and Programme Editor Daniel Brigham. Hello, Michael. And last but by no means least, esteemed commentator for Radio Norfolk and friend of the pod, it's BBC's Chris Scorum. Good to see you, Michael. We've been nervously watching before we started broadcasting this, you going through your, your late fitness test for your toothache. I'm, I'm glad you've made it, or we, we, it would have been someone from the On The Ball Academy stepping up, wouldn't it? <laughs> would have been. And, I mean, they are not ready, let me tell you. They are absolutely <laughs> not ready. They, they are, yeah. You'd only get five minutes out of them. Um, yes, thank you, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I do have a excruciating pain in my tooth, which I'm, um, I've, I've um, sorted by dosing myself up on painkillers for four days. So, um, yeah, I don't know what day it is or where I am, but uh, I tell you what, it made the game on Saturday much more enjoyable. I was going to um, ask, did you have to up the dose after that game? <laughs> uh, well, funnily enough, um, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I did wake up at 3 a.m. In, in total pain. Um, and that wasn't from Milot Rashica's miss. That was <laughs> genuinely from the teeth. Um, but whether they were related... I don't know. <laughs> that um, just sums up the existence of a Norwich City fan, I think, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. Do Some they administer have... the same painkillers for watching Norwich, do you think? I was, <laughs> was going to say, at least I had a reason for the pain. Um, but there we go. Um, well, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, good evening. Um, you were on our very first pod in November 2019. Yes, a oh, hundred years ago, I take it from, <laughs> from this. Yeah, um, at a time when Norwich City were battling but struggling to stay in the Premier League. It, it's 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 a little bit, you know, over a hundred episodes. It feels like the the plot hasn't moved on significantly, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it was an international break. So I'm, I think, I have a feeling our first game as a podcast was winning two 0 Everton, and I think we thought. That's it. We're away here. Um, can you remember what we what we spoke about? What the main key headline was for that podcast? Number one. Um, well, if, Norwich winning away, presumably, because in the Premier League that uh, didn't happen often then, and it hasn't happened often since, has it? That must have been the main headline, was it? Well, it was it, it was for the next one because we did this one before that game. It was oh, in an international okay. break, and we we talked about uh, Norwich's team of the decade. Oh, we did. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's, you know. I don't know what the team of the decade so far for this decade would be. <laughs> uh, but they, you know, won a title in, in that time, so maybe I shouldn't be so glib. But there we go. Um, Steve, good evening. How Hello. are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, it's nice to get to 100, isn't it? Um, we are stuck on 99 for a while. Played <laughs> <laughs> and missed it a few, but we've, uh, we've got there, got the single, got over the line. Um, I was going to say, I hope it was Everton because I've, 
I've made no eff- extra effort for the hundredth episode. I'll declare that now. But what I have done, this would be no of no, is worn the shirt that we were wearing because I never wear this shirt because I don't particularly yeah, like it. But I thought I'll wear it tonight. This is the wow. shirt that we wore for that win, I believe. So if it, it wasn't, then, then the one effort that I have made uh, has gone to waste. And obviously, it, this is no good for people listening. But uh, <laughs> I was wondering why you were in a training kit, which I thought was particularly wearing it like this feels really weird, actually. So. And you literally unzipped the anthem <laughs> jacket to reveal an orange shirt, which is even better. It is yeah. the it's uh, for those of the purposes of those listening. Yeah. It's yeah. the red, the red chain strip. I think it was the second strip, wasn't it? Two years yeah. ago, three years yeah. ago, um, with the with the yellow piping that saw Dennis Trebeni. And Todd Cantwell score at Goodison Park and Norwich keep yeah. a clean sheet away from home, oh, which obviously happens all the time. Beautiful, Steve. That's that. I, I appreciate that fully. Uh, I dread to think how many away wins we've had since then in the Premier League. In the Prem? Well, that was I our last one that season. Three. And we've had Because we've had two this season, season. And that was, yeah. Yeah, so Brilliant. two more. Hurrah. <laughs> good. Thank the Lord. Um, Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Michael. What an honour to be on your 100th uh, edition of your podcast. And I'm just looking forward to the live reading of the telegram from the Queen later as well. <laughs> let, let me know if you've got that. Um, Wait, has uh, it been I, lost in the post? Well, yeah, I don't know. I haven't got... Do, what, yeah. Is that how telegrams are delivered these days? I, I, I guess it is. We, we sure did have a couple is, of Amazon yeah. deliveries, but I don't think it was in there. Um, <laughs> at least we, at least a telegram from Delia Smith, if not, if not the Queen. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she listens or watches. Um, uh, at what point do we mention the fact that you went to both the Leeds and Brighton games? Well, I would say I'm I'm cursed, but really going to any away game this season would have the same <laughs> would have the same effect, really. But they were the first two away games I'd been to this season, though. Wow. Um, and you both were both were approached. Well, the first was approached with trepidation and fear, and the second one was approached with. Uh, really wanting to stay in Brighton City Centre instead and have a nice wander around on a quite sunny day. Walk along the beach and an ice cream. But, you know, the thing I didn't get to do on Saturday, which well, my tooth might not have agreed, but it would have been lovely. Um, I should just say apologies for the enforced break, everyone. I'll spare you the various reasons why, uh, but thank you for your patience. And I hope you're as happy uh, that we're back as we are to be back quite clearly. So I think we should celebrate that fact by getting stuck into our headline act. Yes, our last podcast that came after defeat to Brentford. Since then, Norwich lost at home to Chelsea, who Brentford beat 4-1 at Stamford Bridge on Saturday, by the way. Uh, Norwich also lost at Leeds and then on Saturday produced a performance that should have already been forgotten by now in their goalless draw. Only maybe it was, in fact, memorable just for a load of bad reasons. I don't know. Um, I think we had a, a smidge of hope. Uh, left when we were last on Steve um, or at least played around with the idea uh, what on earth has gone wrong since um cool uh, well that's that's condensing a lot into a short <laughs> amount of time I think nail it into sort of 240 characters that would be ideal uh, I'll do my best I don't know if I can I'll try 240 words um 
I think there are simply no excuses for uh, what we've done over the last few weeks. We've uh, Chelsea aside, and obviously they've not been in the best form. We've we've played three opponents who I think at, at the time we played them, you would argue were the most out of form so- side in the division, perhaps apart from ourselves. Obviously Brighton off the back of six defeats, Leeds off the back of I think six. Uh, Brentford had taken one point from eight games, so we were really playing the the teams who would be the lowest on confidence. And I would say a point was the absolute most we deserved in fact probably more than we deserved from all three I mean you know I don't want to be too sniffy about away points in the Premier League um but you know Saturday you're talking about a team who again coming in there with no confidence had 31 shots and we didn't have a, have a single one on target so there wasn't really much honour in that draw um I think you, you're looking at a squad that has no depth um, no, no different attacking options. So even those players who aren't playing particularly well, we can't really take out the side. Um, so Smith can't rotate the team at all. And I think just a kind of jarring lack of quality, really, um, uh, all across the pitch. I'm sure we'll talk about the midfield. That seems to be where it's most evident. But um, yeah, I, I mean, they're just they're just simply not good enough. I feel like I'm repeating myself from previous pods, but uh, yeah, we, we're just not. It's fine, Steve. It's been a number of weeks. Everyone's forgotten. Don't worry. Um, I mean, Dan, it's it's the point that could could keep Norwich up at the end of the season, isn't it? <laughs> it yep, it could do, couldn't it? Yeah. No one said that. I can't believe no one said that. <laughs> I mean, not, not even Dean damning, Smith said that. Even Dean Smith said it. What a damning admission. Anyway. Yeah, it, it was an odd one. The last time I went to the Amex, we lost 5-0. So it was an improvement yes. on that performance. Well, certainly improving on that result anyway. And the previous time to that was a pre-season friendly, which I believe was the first time I saw Ricky Van Wolfswinkel score for, uh, no, play for Norwich City in a pre-season friendly at the Amex when I also saw Des Lynham there, which was quite exciting. <laughs> so that had a kind of a double excitement value that this game didn't either. This one had all the vibes of a pre-season friendly from both sides. Brighton, after their excellent start, have, have had no danger of going down from the first sort of month of the season. And it, it was just a bit of a knockabout, wasn't it? it was a, and it, it's only the start of April, and we're already in that kind of territory where we're playing kind of meaningless games. I think what really summed up for me in the last few weeks was the first 15 minutes of the Leeds game, Ellen Road, when Leeds looked incredibly nervous. They looked like a team that had lost six games on the bounce at home under a new manager. They kept giving the ball away. They kept making basic errors. Uh, but as soon as they scored, that was it. Done for us already, though. Our confidence just seeped right out. We couldn't take advantage of the fact we were playing a team with zero confidence at the time. And from 15 minutes onwards, it was done, even though we were playing a, a really poor side at the time. And I think that's kind of summed up where we've been for most of this season, unfortunately. That's a really interesting point um, because, Chris, I mean, you were with me after the Brighton game with the interviews and that was something Tim Quill said to you, wasn't it? That, you know, at least, you know, the players felt that they uh, they they couldn't keep just sort of crumbling after they went and goal down and that they, you know, proved that that wasn't, you know, that they could survive that on Saturday, but kind of by not conceding rather than actually yeah. dealing with the consequences. And there was something else Tim Quill said, which was, you know, that, you know, by and it's, it's in my piece on the athletic today so give it a read but because it's kind of the premise of the whole thing but you know saying that you know that they had they had to work hard and put all their bodies on the line and that was what they did because sometimes they sort of give them one up or let someone get the wrong side of them and it's almost an admission of 
so many different shortcomings and, and almost damning their performances up until this point, really. Absolutely right. And yet, I think what, what really brought brought it all out on Saturday was that that wasn't... Uh, often we've heard about Norwich City in the Premier League. Um, the reason they've struggled is because, um, particularly Daniel Farke used to say it a lot, or oh, we've got young, inexperienced players and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to find it difficult. I think I'm right in saying on Saturday, Norwich had eight full internationals on the pitch. And I think Steve tweeted something about how old the average age of the squad was. You know, that... And yet, the, the the thing that really stood out from from Saturday was they couldn't do simple things well, like pass the ball to each other, keep the ball. And I think this is why this season has been so frustrating because you, you can't argue with the fact that it it hasn't worked this season. The Norwich squad it isn't good enough, but I still think there are you know enough players within that squad who will probably go on to have quite good careers individually that will make us look back on this season and think, oh, I wonder, I wonder what went wrong there. The thing that's lacking, and I think it was summed up on Saturday. I think I've, I've worked out what it is that's lacking. For some reason, it just hasn't gelled, has it? All of these players, they're doing their best. I don't question the commitment of any of them. But we've all seen Norwich teams, we've all seen football teams when it when there's a real, true understanding on the pitch, when you've got players passing the ball out, just knowing where somebody else is going to be. But there's no sort of partnerships in the team that stand out. I've lost count during the season on how many times on, on commentary I've had to describe somebody playing a ball five or ten yards behind somebody because they've made a run that they, the pass for the ball wasn't expecting. And that's what it is, I think. They, there are some good players there individually. There are loads of international players there individually. But... They just ha- they've had a season at it now, and they haven't managed to develop a. They just haven't gelled. There's no understanding there at all. And I think, as much as we like to look at the stats, and as much as you like to try and, you know, analyze these things with with some accuracy, I think there is that little hidden magic in football that sometimes you get, sometimes it clicks. We've seen it with Norwich. You know, when you get Buendia, Steepman, and Puki for a while, you think, oh, they they just get it. We haven't got that anywhere on the pitch at the moment, and nothing summed that up better than on Saturday, where you've got you know an experienced set of players who've all played you know plenty of top-flight football who couldn't even pass the ball to one another. No, they did look like strangers, and I suppose Steve, you'd normally think you you blame the manager or head coach for that, wouldn't you? Because it's their job to to at least make them look coherent, even if mm. even if they're struggling to gel, to at least provide some sort of framework they're working in. I think. We're all struggling to watch Norwich at the moment and work out what on earth they're trying to do. It's really hard to figure it out. Um, but in a way, I suppose we've had two head coaches try to do it with this group of players. So is it, you know, could could any head coach get it out of this group, or is it is it just the, the, the um, personnel not connecting? And also, then is that another stick to beat the recruitment with if they don't gel? Because is that not part of the job to bring in players that that work? Well, I. I I, I agree with what Chris says about, you know, there are individuals in this team. You know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if we saw Norman, Gilmore, Rashica in the Premier League next season having having decent campaigns with in, in better teams that do gel. Um, but I do also sort of think that nobody would have kept this team up. I suppose there's an argument to say that, well, you know, Smith's style of football has almost been at odds with the way that Farker would, had previously played. So you're asking a group that presumably were brought in to play Farker style of football to, to adapt something completely different. But like you're kind of giving uh, hit Smith like some boil in the bag of rice and a couple of onions and some veg stock and go, well, they make a really nice risotto. Of that. It's, it's just like, it's not a there. Steady there's, there's, cook, basically, it's basically, yeah. Yeah. And he's not going to get any green peppers or red tomatoes or whatever it is <laughs> off me. There's no chance. But like that, the, the squad that he inherited um, wasn't Premier League really or at least you know there was a lot of work to do and I think they kind of gathered that momentum at the end of January and then didn't capitalize on it by failing to bring anyone else in um and you know there'll be plenty more opportunities to talk about that but I think 
not doing any business at all in January, whether it would have made any difference or not, I don't know. But um, that was it was a bit like waving the white flag, I think. I, th- I think sometimes as well, like a decision like that, is you, you don't ever want to do business for the sake of it. So you shouldn't be doing that. But I, I think the whole the whole message that it sent out that we're not doing any business. I think the fact that Norwich is sort of <laughs> fortune sort of deteriorated after February, probably there. I feel like the question, you know, how have we ended up with a worse squad or team two years on having tried to have built something up? Um, it's a question we've asked all season and may well continue to ask for another year. I, I, just, I, I've, and, and I can't even remember the amount of times we've spoken about it. So, we probably won't bother speaking about it now. It's um Dan is is Dean Smith in a slightly tricky position now because I'm I'm sensing that people are watching it at the moment and maybe the um the room and the uh, goodwill that he was afforded from you know being handed this lot so to speak um you know that was there is sort of starting to wane the more well the, the more out of shape Norwich look um now although why anyone would suddenly expect there to be a different result because it's the same players Mm. i don't know but i mean again as chris will testify tim cool was stood in front of us and maybe he has to say this saying that it's a better group than two years ago you know he's convinced of it so he says in public yeah i mean but that's splitting hairs isn't it whether it's a better group or not it's a group that it isn't good enough either either way i think it is smith has to shoulder some of the blame i suppose because when he first came in he did seem to apply a kind of identity to the way we played. We moved through the lines a lot quicker than we had under Farker. We went from back to front a lot quicker. And then obviously in December, the COVID, we were hit badly by COVID. Um, and then after that came back and played two up top, two up top, four up top, which worked a treat in two games, but then Ida got injured and we can't really play up two up, two up top without Adam Ida. So he's kind of got these jig- pieces of jigsaw and he's, trying desperately to make them all fit together, but there are pieces missing. There are pieces that are too old, pieces that are too young, don't work quite well in it, pieces that are probably unmotivated. So he's desperately trying to find... It's a bit like the England Test cricket team. They're desperate. Oh. They're, not very, they're not very good, and they're chopping and changing, desperately trying to find um, an 11 that works. But really, when it comes down to it, the 11, whatever shape or form it takes, isn't good enough. And... Maybe I think I expected a bit more from Smith to get them more motivated and to maybe um, put in better performances, certainly since um, the end of January. But really, you get any manager in there and, and the result's the same. I think we're we're going down with that squad, unfortunately. I'll say two things for Dean Smith then. Uh, one is, for, for everything we've said so far, let's not forget... Dean Smith did get this Norwich City squad out of the bottom three for you know two or three weeks in January. We, that felt like we he did, didn't he? Let's not rewrite <laughs> history here. He got this squad that he inherited bottom of the table and actually got them out of the bottom three in January. Those those great wins that seems a long time ago now, but Everton and Watford that there was a significant few weeks where Norwich were not in the relegation zone and they've plummeted since and they're back there. But I think he deserves some credit for actually getting to that point with with this squad. And the other thing, and I. I still haven't been able to find this out, but he was appointed in November, wasn't he? Um, you talked about the January um, signings, so or lack of. So, <laughs> assuming he's still in charge at the start of next season, it, Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare will go nine months uh, between it, taking the job and being able to field a player who joined the club after them. Now, can anybody think of any manager anywhere in football 
where that has ever happened before. No. And I no. think that's you until until that changes, until he's not dealing with the exact same squad that he inherited. I think he, you've just got to cut as much slack as possible because I, I can't think of any other example of this happening in football. And when I sometimes go on the opposition podcast, I did the Brighton BBC podcast before Saturday and told them this and they, they couldn't come up with an example either. So I, I don't know of any other manager who's ever had to go nine months before he can play a new signing. Certainly not through a whole window. Well, exactly. just, just going through no. a window without signing over. And 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 not only that, do do we have any idea who Dean Smith rates and doesn't rate? Because it, it you know, he he's basically picking a team out of necessity at the moment, really. Like, you know, he may not rate Pookie for all we know, but he has to play him every single week. Uh, and same with Rashita, he has to play Rashita every week. Like it he's basically his hands being completely forced. And you know, even the team even the team on Saturday with the four identical centre midfielders, um, none of whom can play defensive midfield, none of whom can play an attacking midfield, that so just kind of existed in there in the middle of the pitch. You know, he, he sort of had to play that team. So I I I think it would be absolute mad and there's a little bit of talk I saw about it over the weekend, it'd be absolute madness to to let him go. Uh, regard, you know, we could lose the last eight games, but Smith's still got to be here with Shakespeare at the beginning of what, next season. To me, what I would say, of course, is that under this sporting director model, it shouldn't really manage, manage, matter who your manager is. They should supposed to be able to be parachuted in, take on the players because they're so ingrained in the system that they've been playing in under the previous manager, and go with it. But the issue with that is a, the recruitment obviously hasn't been good enough, and b we changed our style of play at the start of this season and sort of gradually throughout the last championship season as well. So that style of play that's supposed to run through the Norwich City DNA since Stuart Webber's come in kind of was purposefully let go, um, which means a new manager will want their players, uh, their own players in, in the summer. He will want to bring in his own player, but whether he'll be allowed to, how much influence he'll have over recruitment, we don't know yet. Is it still going to be our sporting director making those decisions or is Dean Smith going to have more influence than Daniel Farker? And obviously Farker did have influence and did veto um, those decisions as well. But ultimately, it's not the manager's job to recruit in this setup. No, not theoretically. But uh, we'd be very surprised if that is not how it develops come the next transfer window. We can only hope that Dean Smith does actually get to play and to make a signing. Um Right, I reckon. Uh, I reckon we've done that. We, we've caught up there, haven't we? Um, so I reckon we move on to a bit of uh, a bit of this. It's pick that one out where the podders each get, and I've forgotten. I haven't maybe warned Chris Chris of this. Um, uh, the, podders, <laughs> the podders each get. professional broadcaster. He'll yeah, be fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, this is where the podders pay attention. Chris each get a short window to bring up an issue they're struggling to let go. Um, positive or negative doesn't matter uh, if they lose themselves for more than 30 seconds which is the desired situation <laughs> um uh, then uh, the buzzer sounds i hope you heard that uh, and it is time to let go at that point maybe um so chris i'll let you think about what you want to talk about uh, like niche as niche as possible <laughs> it's all good um dan would you like to go first you always ask me to go first but yes, I'll go first. That's fine. It's because I yeah. know how good you are. You see, you set the tone. Um, go for it. Well, normally I go for something a bit silly, but this time I'm going to go for something that's taken up a lot of attention on social media, which is Stuart Webber turning to Sir Edmund Hillary and his quest <laughs> to climb Mount Everest, which let's, let's start with saying Webber's done incredible things at this football club. 
and the cause for the Summit Foundation is very noble indeed. But it does smack of, say, an entrepreneur or a business person who runs and owns a company who can do what they like with that company. They can go up any mountain they want. They can go skiing whenever they want. But what he isn't is an owner. What he is is he is employed by Norwich City. And I think the least fans can ask of an employee of Norwich City on the money he is and the importance that his role has is for his attention to be entirely focused on his job at the football club. I mean, I just sort of let you talk there because I was, um, <laughs> I was, in, I was enjoying what you were saying. The, the interesting thing about that I found is, um, obviously, I speak to lots of people all over the place, um, and if I mention, you know, oh yeah, no, Stuart Weber, sports director, he's, uh, yeah, he's going to climb Everest in, in next year. Got really big training plan over the coming year to get through with all different mountains. And they go, all right, so, um, so who's replacing him then? I'm like, no, no, he's not. He's not leaving his job. He's he's still doing the job, and that's the bit that surprises them. Um, it's got it's got sort of strong Elon Musk vibes, doesn't it? He's he's yeah. bored, and he can do what he like. He can maybe start doing some sort of Starfleet as well. Try and get to the moon at some point. <laughs> well, look, he will say Neil Adams is in post as his assistant, and that everything can get covered off in the meantime. Is that um, as assistant for climbing Everest, or well, the, maybe I don't know. Yeah, some sort it's of going to push him up. <laughs> Um, we shall see. Um, Do you know how difficult it's been on commentary over the, since this has all come out to avoid the phrase Norwich have now got a mountain to climb? <laughs> I, I would embrace it, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to... But I just know every time we say it, you just know that's going to get comments. It's one of those that I've tried <laughs> not to say for, for now. Oh, uh, once, be- once before the end of the season, Chris, I reckon. <laughs> um, would you like to go next, Chris? Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so this go is a, an issue that I don't think it, I, 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 that I'm struggling to get my head around, yeah? Go for it, yes. Okay, here we go. Well, this is one that I will thank um, your former colleague, Michael David Cuffley, for bringing to my attention. Oh. It is 50 years ago this month, 50 years since Norwich City were promoted to the top flight for the first time in the club's history, 1972. I was minus 10 then. I know I look older, but I can't remember it. Honestly, that's the early starts of watching Norwich City all the time that's done that. I can't remember it. But it's such a significant moment in Norwich City's history, and yet I haven't heard of anything official that is being planned to market. No. And you look at any other anniversary, you know, when you're a fo- any football team has got to celebrate its history, its magic moments. Norwich haven't had that many. But when you think about what it's been like, that, that they cracked it for the first time. That, was that me? That was, <laughs> but finished. I was really enjoying it. So I kind <laughs> well, of letting it run. The club had been going for 70 years and had never been in the top flight. They got there. Uh, Dave Stringer, Kevin Keelan, Duncan Forbes, that team, Peter Sylvester, Kenny Foggo, the, you know, the names even I know, even though I never saw them play. Yeah. And for the next 50 years, they've been around the top flight most of the time. So that that is one of the biggest achievements in the club's history. And I haven't heard of any plans to market properly 50 oh, years no, old. There you go. No, you're right. Mm. Um, Thank you, David Cuffley, for that, if you're tuned in. I, it, it, I hadn't picked up on it until he, he got in touch recently. I, I, can, I can already imagine the column Cuffers would have written on that subject for no one doing anything about it. I wonder if they've been a bit distracted by the new crest and, um, and the centenary or is it 120, 120 year anniversary, isn't it? Yes. Of the club being, but yeah, you're right. And let's be honest. Everyone assumes, says, thinks, feels lots of people do not everyone that it's where Norwich belong. Well, um, and, and quite rightly, I think when we had the 50 years of the 59 cup run and all of that, that, that was always marked, wasn't it? it? But, but it feels like, this is probably a bigger, more notable, more long-lasting achievement than that. And I just mm. haven't heard of anything to, to market. And I guess it is probably worth remembering that the 50 years prior to that, we were just bouncing around the third and mm. second tiers, mostly the third tier for our history. 
I just took so long for the owners to, you know, spend a shed load of money to get them promoted. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's interesting that in the in the you know you can we, we like to talk about how football has changed, don't we? And and Norwich's position in the sort of relative food chain, and yet you go over the fifty years since, and Norwich have been pretty constant. There was that one, you know season where they, they dropped into league one but other than that whatever mm-hmm. the model has been whoever's been in charge whoever the players have been there have been some great times been a few years at the top but it's always ended up in this situation <laughs> relegation and then getting back up again and, and all that so it's funny how norwich's place that they've, they've managed to move with the times haven't they over the last 50 years and stay pretty much at the same level i feel like there's a bbc radio norfolk special coming on soon <laughs> or an athletic <laughs> probably should be sure. yeah no likewise which i've known it a few weeks ago i'd have written something um brilliant stuff chris what a cracker um steve good uh, uh you tell me i'll slice it <laughs> you, you okay, i'll pass i'll okay. pass judgment after you've done it yeah, yeah go yeah. for it <laughs> um i would like to talk about what i'm going to call corrupt twitter um, that is uh, wow. people declaring things to be corrupt, which seems to be kind of like seeping into our fan base a little bit. And I don't know, it really just gets my back up. As a like, classic comment being like, oh, well, of course the Premier League wouldn't send off Luke Ayling because uh, they want to keep Leeds in there because they get more revenue from Leeds. So, yeah, we're really... it's like, like genuinely, do people have that opinion that, that the Premier League and VAR are out to get Norwich City and are out to defend the big clubs? I know they don't help themselves with the, uh, the big six thing, but I mean, seriously? Like, why even bother watching if that's, if, why even bother following a football team at all if you genuinely think everyone's out to get you? I find it unbelievable. Agreed. All I will add is that. I, 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 <laughs> well, no, actually, no, I won't. No, I tell you what, because I was listening to the um, Manchester United Leicester game, and the fact that they spent so long disallowing James Madison's goal, which by the radio commentary made out as if there was no reason why that should have. It was almost like they were trying to find a reason to disallow this goal at Old Trafford against Manchester United. That said, I saw it, and it probably was a foul. So it was. The, I the mean, argument didn't help. You, you know that I'm no fan of VAR, but. I, you know, I, I don't think that people are going. I don't think the people behind it are going. Well, that that's Manchester United. <laughs> we can't, we can't give a penalty against Manchester United. You know, like what? potentially. Um, uh, no, you're right. Of course. Um, Thanks. That's great. I, well, um, you've do, you've all done a great job there. Well done. Um, I now like to work through the list of the things we um, we are not going to talk about. Um, I mean, should the penalty have been given as a foul? I, I, I at the time I was like, what on earth was Sam Byram doing? But no, Lewis Dunk did have his arm and was pulling him round. So it was kind of a, I would probably have said it was a foul, but I don't know. I've not, I mean, I've not dared watch any of it back, but I was, <laughs> I, was, I was right behind that. And even if it was a foul on Byron, what, why on earth is he putting his hand up there like he's waving at someone? It was like one of Kenny McLean's apologies when he's given the ball away. <laughs> Just stuck his hand up, grabbed the ball, gave it a punch. He I was apologising mid giving the penalty away on the on the penalty though can anyone think of a player and admittedly at short notice that's had such a series of incredible misses against Norwich City as Neil Mope I was looking he's never scored <laughs> against us but my oh, god he's missed some yeah. we were playing the same things after the game yeah even in the championship he was that game when we beat them 1-0 and when yeah. Deer scored he missed well I think it was an open goal he put over the top didn't he yeah and you brought you brought up his penalty record with Dean Smith didn't you um Chris yeah, and uh, Dean Smith said, "Well, you missed a few for me as well." So yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, and it, he, I know the the other nil nil draw with Brighton this season is most remembered for Josh Sargent's miss. But I late in that game, Neil Mopai yeah. 
mm. missed a real sitter mm. in that one as well, didn't he? Was it a close range header from memory, or certainly a, a real a real chance within the six yard box that yeah, I think it was it, you, feet, you just but... thought was going to be a goal, and, it, and he put yeah. it over the top at the bar at the end. If I've got that right, you have indeed. Um, what else was I not going to talk about? Um, uh, so I've got a list here. Um, I'm not worried about the fact that Brighton had 31 shots on target. Everyone's sort of hitting Norwich with that. It's like, oh my gosh, a team that hasn't scored and you've let them have 31 shots. I mean, I think, you know, they clearly wanted to have a lot of shots, Brighton, because they haven't scored. So I think you have to sort of acknowledge what they were doing. Have you seen that Graham Potter's come out afterwards and said that um, the Brighton fans shouting, shoot at each at every opportunity is putting his players off. I mean, <laughs> it's Alex Tetty. It. <laughs> and never affected Alex Tetty, did it? <laughs> Happy birthday, Alex Tetty, by the way. Happy birthday. What a man. Um, uh, I, uh, I managed to put a smile on Dean Smith's face on Saturday because <laughs> he looked down at my... He looked down at my legs and went, oh, the seagulls have got you. And I was like, what? And then he said, went, oh. And uh, I had um, some of the halftime vegetable soup. I think it was, you know, when you don't really know what flavor soup is. It was that sort of soup. It's lovely, but I don't know. It was like flavored soup. Um, and there was just a big splodge of it down my trousers. Um, <laughs> which which I'd, been, not, I'd been standing with you for 15, 20 minutes, and I'd been good enough not to mention. And then, <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, Chris. And then Dean Smith came up and went, oh, what's one of the seagulls been at you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a result of your bad tooth that you sort of drib- dribbled it down. <laughs> I your Actually, I want to ask you about this, Michael, because you, well, you explained it away in front of Dean Smith by saying it's soup. And it's not even my soup. Well, I don't. I didn't. No, I didn't. Well, I did. I just couldn't. I. I don't remember. You know, when you sort of think you've spilt something, I couldn't yeah. really figure out where it had come come from. I don't know. But so also it, in the build up to going down for the interviews, I managed to bang my head on a metal bar, so my oh, forehead yes. was bleeding as well. I must have right. I had soup <laughs> on my trousers. I was bleeding from the head, and I was clearly out of it because of all the painkillers. I mean, well, I probably like really a... did bang my head because all the painkillers had kicked in, and we're sort of. There, there was a you came down and you went, "Is my head bleeding?" I thought, "What's he talking about?" And, it, and actually, we were. It wasn't quite full Terry Butcher, was it? But yeah. it was. <laughs> there was blood. Yeah, we we would have to. You, you, in football terms, you nearly had to change your shirt, didn't you, yeah, before indeed, that interview? Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, though, best questions I've ever asked. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I, something else I wanted to bring up. I mean, the Leeds defeat. I know everyone's sort of gone around, um, and I don't know, you were there, Dan. So a lot of people felt, I mean, the Leeds, that, that conceding that injury time, you know, winner, was that like gut-wrenching? Were you like, oh, this is, I'm distraught? Uh, well, a little bit. I mean, my dad's a Leeds fan as well, so there's a little bit of that personally. Um, but it was almost inevitable. It, it just felt a bit like the... Um, Liverpool, the five-four Liverpool game when we when Basong equalised, it just felt inevitable that of course we're going to concede again. Um, the work, the most gut-wrenching bit of it was um, Pukki's miss. I mean, it was obviously a difficult chance when the finest bit of number ten play we've seen all season from a Norwich City player from Tim Krull <laughs> lobbed the ball over the defence and uh, Pukki couldn't stick it away. That that was genuinely head in the hands um, despair. That was, but. Yeah, I mean, it just felt it, it genuinely felt inevitable at the time that Leeds would score again. I think I just think I just think for my part, I was still really annoyed that Norwich hadn't really turned up for the entire game and yeah. then had the audacity to equalise because it was a game they had to win. So I, the fact they equalised, I was like, well, that's great because one one's no good for anyone. What a waste, you know? It's like, so I was and once again, it came from sort of tireless hard work from poor old Timu Puki, who should have had an assist for a winner on uh, mm-hmm. Saturday as well against Brighton from more tireless work. 
It was I, that was the saddest moment of the season, actually, when Rashita put it over the bar. I looked at Pookie, and instead of I don't know shouting or whatever, he just bent down, pulled his socks up, and walked away like Eeyore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is it. I remember I, this. I felt more gutted. You remember the the um, the when we lost at Leeds in injury time in the League One season. Go back to then when um, For, Fraser Forster did that awful kick, and Beckford ended up mm. kind of oh, yeah. at home. That was much more. I don't know whether I've just mellowed, but it felt like that was a game where we really deserved something and didn't get it. Whereas this one. We just didn't really deserve the equaliser. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the the mood has changed, hasn't it? Because we've after the Brentford defeat, I think we all knew the writing was on the wall. We, and when it gets to that point, we've been through this so many times. I think one of the main one of the big problems in it, being an Orange fan is that they've they've never pulled off one of these great escapes, have they? Not in the time that I've been watching them, anyway. Norwich are a team that when it looks like they're going to go down, they go down, and actually when it looks like they're going to go up. They, they don't blow it either. They always go up, don't they? But bar maybe the penalty shootout in, in the, the playoff final in 2002. But you, you never get that sort of sudden twist in, in the tail watching Norwich City. So we've seen, we've lived through so many relegations. I think you don't feel quite as gutted about them and you just start to look for the signs, don't you? Mm. And you think, all oh, right, equalising an injury time and still losing. There's another one. You know, that, that's a sign of relegation. These kind of untried youngsters like Jonathan Rowe suddenly appearing from nowhere and suddenly looking like the best player on the, in, in the team. You think, all oh, right, yeah, we've seen this before. Now, he does look a good player, but you know, he's nowhere near the first team, was he, at the start of the season? And just the idea, you mentioned this earlier, Michael, the idea that you, you, however many games it's been now, 30-odd games, and I still couldn't tell you what Norwich's first choice 11 is. That It's all signs that you think, yeah, this is it's one of those seasons then. I've got I've got another one, because we, we may well do a podcast on this. Try naming a player of the season. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness me. I would say it's impossible. Well, it's um, Tyler's team, it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think it's easy to, easy to rule a lot of them out yes. and then leave <laughs> a few to choose from. That, that, that would involve drawing one line through pretty much the squad um uh, uh happy birthday tim cruel uh though i think we said that earlier didn't we uh th- we finally got a date for the leicester trip which is may the 11th i think it's a wednesday night can't wait i great. guarantee there are some norwich players who will have forgotten that was even happening yeah we're probably looking at the fixtures they're thinking oh thank goodness only seven games left <laughs> and then after today another 90 minutes yeah, damn another one um and the Wolves game the following Sunday um and I don't really know why it's Sunday at three o'clock I mean I guess maybe for the FA Cup finals on the set I don't know but it's now the Sunday at two so that's exciting um um, and the other thing they haven't mentioned Norwich have a new director uh Zoe Ward is now executive director at the football club so she has joined the board and um there you go I could do a podcast on that at some point in the future as well, but we're not going to do it now. Um, and in that case, I reckon we probably um, can move on. Do we need to do this bit? I don't know. Let's. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, let's. Well, let's. Let's wander through it anyway. Let's do. Let's do um, a bit of <laughs> a bit of this. Yes, this is Centrefold. Um, I've noticed we've already been going 40 minutes, so my 45-minute target is, is, is rapidly um, unraveling. Um, we are 100 podcasts up, which is exciting. Um, anyone got a highlight since November 2019? <laughs> I can't even think what's happened. Of the podcast or of the football I mean, or in life? Life in, gen- <laughs> in general, life. Um, I think maybe I have one. Got the... I can't remember what game it was. The one game in lockdown that I could go to Cardiff when we beat Cardiff 2-0 in 
Buendia and Cantwell scored and everything felt right with the world. There was only 2,000 fans allowed in and I was lucky enough to be one of them. And I've watched Norwich win three times since then, I think. (laughs) It will be interesting what the championship's like with with crowds because we haven't really experienced that. So that will be interesting. Um, I was going to flag up a load of pieces. That's exciting because we haven't done... It's just going to plug... It's going to be my plugging section. There's a bit on John Rowe. Read that. I reckon he's not far off a start now. Um, a bit on Temu Puki's future. Um, you know, Norwich have got an option. He could he could leave in the summer, everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, um, but, you know, Norwich could extend his contract. They've got a year's option, or they just have to pay him his Premier League wages for it. What do you reckon? Would Take a quick vote. Is that a yes or a no? To keep Temu? Yeah. I'd vote keep. Yeah. Let's give him another year. Even on the big wages, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Screw keep it. Him. You're going to yep, put the yep. club in financial difficulty. Don't let him leave. You don't want to say. Yep. Well, I ask you. Goals. He's got to get 100 goals and he can't leave before then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I ask you. the club's all time record goal scorer, couldn't he? And you've still got to replace him as well, haven't you? Let's not forget with, with yeah. whatever money you save on his wages, mm. you've still got to find somebody else who might still be able to get 20 goals in the championship. Well, I've got the strikers on the books, Chris. I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I'm just waiting. Just waiting. Jordan Hugel's coming back. <laughs> um, there was a bit. There's a bit on agents' fees that we've all done across the Athletic as well. Norwich spent um, as much on agents' fees. Well, I think it would be their fourth, their fourth highest signing of the summer, <laughs> if you put it. Agents' fees, eight point six million, um, just behind Josh Sergeant Christoph Charles <laughs> and Milot uh, <laughs> Rashitsa. So well done, the agents. Almost Forward. as many appearances as Charles as well. <laughs> notable, uh, notable use of an agent in selling Emmy Buendia which uh, uh, is unusual <laughs> just in terms of the, the money needed to, to do that. But yeah, there we go. Read that piece. Um, oh, it's a good bit on inflation signings. We ran every big Norwich signing through an inflation calculator to try and work out what they'd be worth. And uh, Chris Sutton is, was effectively a £101 million sale to Blackburn in today's market. <laughs> and Mark Robbins was a 20 million pound striker signing in the summer of 1992. And you know what? They got what they paid for. <laughs> didn't they? Took them to the, third. The, the trouble with that is Timo Pukki is still free, isn't he? Yes, with inflation. That <laughs> <laughs> but that's because he is the greatest value signing of all time in any football. Probably. Was it, I tell you what, just on that, when we were always talking about him, wasn't Tim Krull free as well? He was. Yeah. yeah. That's not bad. You know, those no one two, talks about it. People always talk about Pookie. No, people always talk about this great free transfer in Pookie. You think, oh, actually, it didn't do so bad at the other end, did we, for free? I still I still remember when, when the Tim Quill speculation first popped up um, on some website and I went, they're not doing that. That's a stupid put that. There's no way they're going to spend the money on that. There we go. Uh, insight for you. Um, and uh, Brandon Williams, has uh, he did some talking, didn't he? And he said... Uh, He's not going back to Manchester United. Uh, I don't envisage that means he's going to be playing in the championship. Um, mm. But there we go. Oh, do, what do we do with the loan players now? Do we just keep playing them? Uh, I don't know. Do we need to? <laughs> I, well, I, certainly, I certainly wouldn't play Kabak anymore. Um, well, no, I think he might be done, to be honest, because he's going to be out for a while with his hamstring, hamstring injury. So that might be, he might have played his last game for Norwich. I tweeted that um I got the, you know, expected replies. <laughs> so when there are reports from Greece that Janoulis wants to stay next season. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's yeah, play in that's then. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> does, it, does it matter anymore? I mean, I suppose I'll refer you to my previous point. What choice do we have in a lot yeah. of circumstances? Can they just say, well, we just won't play Gilmore and Norman anymore? So like we haven't really got that much in, by the way, of a place. Although where Sorensen is, I have no idea. Well, actually, I almost, I, you reminded me, I was going to bring up Jakob Sorensen when um, when you mentioned, you know, play, we don't know who... Um, who Dean Smith rates or doesn't rate? Well, it might be news. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Because, you know, but I think we can... Well, no one seems to rate Paul Jakob, even though he... I think he's... Well, his win percentage is probably quite good, isn't it? But mm. there we go. Um, anyway, there we go. That's I, that sort of turned into a plug. And, you know, <laughs> Was that 100, 100 plugs? For the, 100 <laughs> plugs for the 100th episode. <laughs> yeah. Most self-indulgent thing I've ever done. Um, I tell you what, let's have a look forward to what is probably going to be the greatest game of football ever seen on Sunday. This is almost fantasy football. Fantasy football, indeed. Uh, I have um, uh, a Swiss student staying with uh, with us here at Shays Bailey. Um, they've they've come over. There's a, there's a there's there's five of them together who want to go to um, the game on Sunday. I'm kind of like thinking. I mean, I can have my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> um what a premier league treat we have in store it's funny because the brighton game i was i think i tweeted it was going to be probably last on match today after about 19 minutes um i mean what this has high potential even on match the day two probably to be on after like too good too bad doesn't it well it's burnley playing everton aren't they tomorrow night or wednesday night which is obviously huge with them being uh, four points behind and played the one fewer or on the same now. So Burnley beat Everton and suddenly their great escape is on. Lose to Everton and it's another it's another kind of meaningless clash, isn't it, on Sunday? Mm. I, I feel like I'm going to get in there before a million people make this point during the week, but has there ever been a greater um, Super Sunday juxtaposition than uh, Norwich v Burnley followed by Man City v Liverpool? <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> asking like Jedwood to warm up for Radiohead or something like that, isn't it? It's just like the. I reckon it's worth watching them back to back just to see the the, the incredible difference oh. in the football. Like neither team in our game is going to want the ball. Um, at all, and then you've got Man City Liverpool to follow that. So um, that Chris be and Michael, Chris Michael, just remembering they've got to work after the full time whistle. <laughs> well. They probably don't even get to see the first half. They learn the second oh, half. No. <laughs> yeah, well, we could, it could true. be. It, it's got, and this will be in in Steve's wheelhouse. This will this will be after Brighton and Brighton and Burnley nil nil in successive weeks earlier on in the season. Is it going to be the double double and another nil nil? No, oh, you wouldn't write it off, would you? You absolutely no. wouldn't write it off. You would not. I mean... What's, what's happened to Robbie to Brady? <laughs> uh, uh, Robbie Brady? He's not there now, is he? No, no he's, no, he's um, a championship. Bournemouth. 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 Sounds is he? Right. he, he yeah, <laughs> I think he happen? got released. He got released by Burnley, I think. He's definitely in the championship. Um, yeah. I was going to say Luton, but that's snod. Come on, Google it. Chris, Chris, as we speak Chris is double checking <laughs> um, who said Bournemouth Bournemouth Michael well there done you know. um, oh. he won't be there on Sunday then I would imagine um, I mean uh, anyone, anyone 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 wants to see play I'd like to see more of Christos Jolis now he he appeared on the pitch at Brighton I'd just, just play him just, just play him mm-hmm. his first contribution was falling over wasn't it but that seemed to lull, I think, was it Dunk into a full sense of security who then missed the ball and allowed T'Challa to get back up and create a chance really late on as well when Roe went down. Tricks, but, just tricks. Yeah. 
is that a, that's a, maybe a tactic going forward of just be you know deceptively awful and to lull them into oh, thinking that you know. does explain the first thirty. There's very little deception deception about that most of the time. So. <laughs> um, uh, and I mean, atmosphere wise, are we? I don't know. I mean, it, let's be honest. You've got a group of players who're going to be rocking up, thinking, right, this is a big game. We're going to kind of go for it here. Are they going to be the only ones, Chris, turning up to Carrow Road thinking that? Because well, I just can't. I don't know. Sunday think, lunchtime as well. I know exactly what you mean, but I think if if on the off chance Norwich do start really well and do let's say get an early goal, I think Norwich fans would go with it and lift themselves for it. I think they've they've been so starved of it, haven't they? That they they'd be delighted to have something to, to get their teeth into. I was I, lo- I was looking the other day, and I think one of the one of the main reasons there is such a sort of malaise around Norwich fans at the moment is because you almost have to forget about last season because, yeah, it was great. Norwich got record points tally, but there was nobody there to see it uh, bar the odd game where a handful of people were let in. So if you're looking at sold out league games at Carrow Road um, this season and the last Premier League season, Norwich have won something like six out of about 30 odd. So it, it, so it, it, you know that feeling when you're at Carrow Road and you're turning up to watch a successful team play, Norwich fans haven't actually felt that for three years. You know, you have to go back to the first promotion of the Daniel Farker. For the last time, Carrow Road was watching an informed team and it was absolutely jumping. We've had one or two highlights of the interim, but because last season was played behind closed doors, it's now three years since we were all together watching a winning team. And I, I think that's, we've forgotten what it's like. And I think that probably has played into the, the atmosphere now. The, the, the problem with last season, record points tally and all, was that it was never going to live in the, the folklore of other seasons because it's the fan stories that make it. So I do think that is playing into the atmosphere at the moment. We've now had you know, six wins, and I can't remember exactly what it is, 30-odd games in front of a full house at Carrow Road, six wins. It's not It's not a fortress. It's not a place. It's a place that people go out of a sense of duty now, isn't it, rather than excitement about seeing their team play and, and hopefully win a game of football. Uh, Norwich haven't beaten Burnley in the league in like 12 years, is it? 12, 14 years, something like that. I think it's two thousand and some eight or nine we'll or have to check eight, that out. something something like um, that. Um, we did avoid them for a long time, didn't we? We we went yeah. through a spell where they were like Fulham are now, where we were always going, you know, <laughs> up and true. down and missing this each is other. True. Um, uh, but you know, I still remember the game two years ago at Carrow Road where um, Norwich had two sent off in the first half and played <laughs> the second half with nine men, and the second half, I was the second half goalless. No, they actually they, it was. Oh, in it's that, in that, yeah, in that dreadful, that awful project restart, which uh, as bad as this season has been, it nothing will ever be as bad as that. I'm, I, <laughs> I, I, just won't, I won't have it. That was when they, that they, yeah, they played forty-five minutes with nine men, didn't they? And actually defended far better than they did at any other point during project restart until you're right last minute ben godfrey scored an own goal and it was oh it's dear a what, a, what a dreadful couple of months that was brilliant the worst that was. what what um, i would say about uh for them coming into the game on sunday is um they will absolutely be thinking we've got to win this so they can't be playing for nil nil which i think is normally i'm you know i don't want to speak for burnley here but i'm presuming that's deich's modus operandi away from home in the premier league is right let's let's just you know keep it tight and not concede but they they will have to be thinking of winning that game so if it's nil nil with the half an hour 20 minutes to go you would think that they're going to come out um at some point out of their shell and 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 try and nick one, which hopefully will open it up for us to gloriously go up the other end and 
score two or three you know why not at least at least yeah. um i mean you've you've opened me up to a it's a it's an idea for one match piece so i'll, I'll put put it in as a throwaway line hope everyone ignores it um but uh my my time as a premier league correspondent at the athletic has generally been me meeting my opposite number for the opposition club and them completely sweating over the fact that they have to win because <laughs> christ imagine if they didn't so i'm completely used to that um, otherwise they managed to get sacked as we yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um right well i think we're all done um question did you see any good comments or questions i'm sure there were loads obviously um steve or any worth um bringing up let's see if we can just have a um oh st john cooper straight in burnley will beat us that's the spirit that's the way that's the, I, want, I want to hear a load of that at Carrow Road on Saturday straight to the point yeah. um, um, well somebody uh, James M at 826 sort of made a, asked a question that we kind of covered but what level do you think our current loanees will reach in their careers Norman Cabock Gilmore Williams I don't know whether we can cover all four in a succinct way oh i mean let's take one each um <laughs> brandon williams i mean i can see him getting a premier league move to mm-hmm. like i quite like him I, I know i i i've been impressed actually yeah uh, by and large with brandon williams i think he's you often with lone players you often get this thing about oh they don't really you know there'll be some i think he's he's worn his heart on his sleeve more than most this season i i've really enjoyed watching him play and i know he's yeah he's made the odd ricket here and there but and he's been criticized for particularly the Leeds that winning gold in, in, in that recent game. But I've uh, absolutely no problem with him at all. I think it, you, you you mentioned earlier on, Michael, about or how difficult it's going to be with the player of the season. He, he, he'd not be far away from my top three, Brandon Williams. I, I, he's he's not... I've, I've been really impressed. As as this season has gone, he's been one of the more impressive for me, I would say. I'd probably... You'd, you'd probably be safe. Norwich would have stayed up this year. You'd probably be looking at him, at signing him permanently if there was... I would, I would have wanted him so. to, yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Um, who, who wants to take someone else? Quebec? Schalke don't well, want him. <laughs> I mean, he's already played for Liverpool, hasn't he? Played in the Champions League, so he's already reached a, a level that <laughs> seems unlikely to reach again. Fulham next season. No Good one. shout for that. Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> going to say, I'm going to say, Nor- sorry, Dan, I was going to say Norman, and then I'll let you take Gilmore. Um, <laughs> is not the play. I, I'm not not convinced injury prone and I, I to be fair he may still be carrying a knock now but i i think he i think i just i think i might have likened him to paul pogba earlier in the season and that he looks more effective <laughs> than he actually is in a bad way i like him to pogba. Oh, right, fine. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would have pogba in our midfield in a heartbeat but um yeah not not sure that i think aesthetically kind of the the impression of him is great but i think the reality is it doesn't always live up to that Billy. Billy. Billy will either be, to use, for some reason, use two Tottenham players, and I think I might have said this on the podcast before, but he'll either be Tom Carroll, who is a good-looking, neat and tidy uh, central midfielder who's, in, who's at Ipswich now, playing in League One, who will, he'll be Harry Winks, who's a good squad player in a good Premier League side. and But the jury's entirely out about which which of those scale he'll end up on. Tifo, Tifo, um, my friend, my friends, <laughs> I call them that. I don't know if they're my friends, but I, I love them. Um, they did a video on Pirlo and and um, what what he what he was as a player, and um, and it's very good, and you, you can catch it wherever. Now, I'm not for one moment because I've watched a lot of him, so no one misquote me here. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's as good as Pirlo was, 
what PLO tried to do as a job, you're like, oh, well, that's kind of what I think Billy thinks or maybe people think he should be and will be, um, which is the first time I'd sort of thought, oh, maybe that's it. But um, not not in the lower reaches of the Premier League with Norwich <laughs> for, for definite. Uh, so there we go. Um, um, I think we're pretty much there, are we? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of Weber love not in the comments, but we can save that for another week. So all the people talking about Weber, just keep tuning in. You know, we'll, we can, we'll get there. You will get um, there. Uh, email them to him, and then he can read them all on the way up and down the mountains. It'll be good to there we go. So, uh, Paul Paul Frake, possible team for 2022-23. Cruel Gun, Byram, Sam McCallum. Is it loan at QPR? I don't mm-hmm. know how much he's playing at the moment. Connor Hanley, Andrew Mbamadeli, Jakob Sernson, Kenny McLean, Pierre Lesmelu, Charles Sinani, who um, Huddersfield have an option to buy, but I don't know if maybe that requires them to go up. Puki and Ida. Mm. There you go. So we need to make some signings then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's, uh, I don't know if that's helped the mood or lowered it, but. You, know what? Um, I, I, well, that, you put that name up on the screen for a brief moment. I read it as Farker and not yeah. Frank. <laughs> He's back. Daniel's brother. Even next season. It's been said before. Um, well, the, the prospect of having to play against Farker next season is apparently I can just increasingly see, likely. No. I can just see him rocking up at West Brom, I must admit. But Oof. we'll see. Um, uh, but I think that is time for our first century, first century, see, see what I've done there, um, of On the Balls, the Norwich City podcast that regularly skies things from 12 yards. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player, and we are streaming the recording of the podcast live, as those watching will now know. Um, just search Michael Bailey, The Athletic Norwich City, uh, on your preferred social media platform, and I'm sure it will turn up. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. Appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. Uh, a big thank you to our guests tonight on this very special pod. Steve, thank you so much once again and for all of your work. Thank you very much, Michael. Pods. Pleasure as always. Likewise, Dan. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Michael. Chris, we did the first one. You've done the 100th one. Thank you so much. Um, can you come on before we get to 200? I'd love to. And I think I did the Daniel Farker farewell special as well. So, you know, Although I didn't, I, call, I said it wasn't a proper pod. It wasn't I? a proper one. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one has been. Which Can we have a word for your Swiss student as well? Yes. You know, who's said, so what's he doing upstairs now? He's doing his podcast. You can imagine, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did tell him not to pop in. And I was half wondering oh, if he could have him noticed, in. Yeah. He could have done. He's it, got better. His English is better than mine, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> probably, probably get him it. on. Get him on next week after he's watched Norwich play Burnley. Oh, well, he, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> imagine it. Um, I think it was football. Um, we will be back next week for a fresh bout of Canaries capers in another edition of On the Ball. Norwich City podcast but until then thank you all thank you everyone for listening never mind the danger and we're clear Steve Dan Chris all you Twitterkers out there, welcome to Wits End. If any of you have stumbled across this for the first time, wondering what's going on, why haven't we stopped? Well, listen to On The Ball Pod number 42 
which went live on September the 8th, 2020. Uh, yes. So that was a year, yeah, 10 months after our first plan. Yeah, uh, it's all explained there. Anyway, uh, you can email this bonus part of the podcast directly, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com, or use the hashtag Twitterkers on Twitter. Just don't explain what it refers to because it's a secret club, this bit, right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we didn't do this on the first pod, though, did we, Chris? No, well, if you did, I wasn't asked. It was that secret. <laughs> <laughs> it was that so secret. Couldn't really do it then because we, you know, we were in some random office in Central Norwich, if I remember rightly. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of these in person. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, a, a bit like uh, Norwich's playing philosophy. We're not sure if if Witsend will continue beyond this season. <laughs> so uh, any strong views are welcome. And feedback if we, if we still enjoy it or maybe we should just all do all this in, in the normal pod i don't know maybe this is just my own guilt at having still not written up all of the uh space puns and uh horoscope puns we have some tooth puns norwich city tooth puns <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> filling mulrine oh, that's pretty good. good oh nice Thanks. straight yeah. off the bat there um, you go. teeth o'neill <laughs> teeth <laughs> o'neill teeth scott um yeah that's grand um I have nothing else molar uh, molar no <laughs> oh yeah Phil the problem Mola is if we Ryan. don't think of them oh phil molar ryan yeah filling <laughs> molar ryan <laughs> <laughs> oh um yeah this is this is all i've got i haven't okay. got anything else um i wanted to do some um, braces I, while you're thinking of that i was going to um mention because dan said that the moment that summed up the last few games or uh, well, the season in the last few games was the, the first 15 minutes of the Leeds game. For for me, the moment that summed up was in the Chelsea game when a uh, lame bird was <laughs> on <laughs> the pitch at the Norwich City end for probably the last 10 or 15 minutes of the, of the first half and was just left to its own devices. No one... No player came near that bird for about 10 minutes. And then at half-time, the stewards ushered it towards the other end of the pitch again so that they it would be at the end where Norwich was shooting. <laughs> kind of quite the were... safest place on the pitch. I'm pretty sure they were trying to catch it. But that so, was the thing. The, the bird started off in the Norwich penalty box, I think. And then it was mm. all getting a bit close. So he literally flew, or she, flew to the other end of the pitch. He's like, I'm going to be safer here. It, was, you know, it actually picked out. where There's a good video of how Josh Sargent dealt with the bird tactically. Someone broke it down. <laughs> Uh, um, and it's a brilliant cool. video on YouTube. You've got to you've got to watch it. You know, it's just uh... what does he do? I haven't seen it. Well, no, no, as in as in he's just breaking down. You know, Josh Sargent gets played the ball because he was playing in that right channel where the bird was. So he was just breaking down in sort of tactical <laughs> analyzing sense with lines. How he how he was using the birds to kind of shield the ball from from yeah. the defender. Yeah. Using the bird as a decoy. Um, uh, but it, the same know, yeah. the same thing sort of happened on Saturday in the second half when. Obviously, the half where Norwich were attacking, <laughs> trying to attack, was in front of the Norwich uh, fans. And three or four seagulls just landed in that half and had a good <laughs> six or seven minutes wandering around with not getting disturbed at all. <laughs> I like the idea that all the birds in the UK have kind of gone, you know, you know, we're a really safe place to hang out. Is. Just, <laughs> just get down where Norwich City are playing. Oh, dear. That's quite depressing. Um I mean, I did. I did feel good. You know, I felt. I felt at least the Norwich fans got to see them um, up their end in the second half for for what? Well, well, Dan, you were there. It's you know, it was a good. It was a good sort of two minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, at least two or three minutes. Yeah, 
Good fun. I was, I was going to ask a question actually based on um, Stuart Weber's um, mountaineering. If you were with Stuart Weber up a mountain and got into trouble, which Norwich City player would you most like to be with you to save you? <laughs> Who is the most resourceful Norwich City player? This feels like a reworking of a passwits end, and you yes. can't get it. In. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't use for reasons that we can't go into. <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, yeah, that will never be heard. Mountain based disasters. Um, okay, so we want a, we want a current Norwich City player. Yeah, let's narrow it. Yeah. Um, okay, there, there would and be it can't be Grant Hanley because it's always Grant Hanley. Yeah, that's a stock answer, isn't it? Yeah, but that's there's a reason why. Um, I, I, well, I wasn't on the last time you guys had this discussion, but I can kind of remember it from editing it and then just culling it. <laughs> uh, Brandon Williams, Brandon Williams would be quite useful. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely punch a yak to death, couldn't he? Um, probably <laughs> set fire, just a little base camp fire, and nicely grill the yak and so that'll see you through a couple of nights probably this is this is off the back of you last time saying he was the norwich player most likely to stick pencils up their nose when there is <laughs> i didn't say that ben mouncer quoted me saying that <laughs> oh okay i feel like he'd inevitably like he'd, he'd make a mistake and slip and fall down the mountain at some point though and that you know so <laughs> and, and there's then a few also- contenders and if you're all tied together by rope, you're all going, aren't you? That's the problem. Then mm. you know that would be a short expedition. Well, maybe <laughs> this is maybe this is finally Jacob Sorensen's moment. Then he's the utility <laughs> man, the man for all occasions. This is what yep. this is what we've been waiting for. He's the, he's going to rescue us all from a mountain at some point. But the, the, I guess the problem is we wouldn't have taken him with us, would we? We'd have just gone out. No. Oh, no, we don't. We don't need you this week. <laughs> uh, it'd be it'd be like Home Alone, and we'd just get on the plane, land, and realise we've left him behind. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the reach that Sam Byram showed at the weekend would probably be quite handy for climbing a mountain. You know, if you're, if you're talking, about, yeah, how high he could get with his arm—that's fantastic. There's a great bit after that where Sam just sort of turns around and he just sort of goes, oh, he was pulling me off. <laughs> he just couldn't even be bothered to argue with the ref. He just he knew looks it so was sad. rubbish. But he looks he was so, so sad. sad. Um, oh, I, think I mean, one of the Scandinavian lads are obviously used to the snow, so Sørensen or, or Pookie, so they might be used to that kind of climate. I think Tamer would be fun. I mean, in terms of raising spirits, he'd be the one most likely to, you know, ruck up a, you know, with a party in his bag, you know, because he'd be like, yeah, no, I'm used to this. It's fine. Here's a I don't want to get geopolitical here, but is, okay. is Finland in Scandinavia? No, it's I, not. Because I quite not. often have this, like, where I'm like, I, I I feel like I could do a Scandinavian tweet about Pookie, like he's the first no, Scandinavian. And then it's like, oh, but if I do that, I mean, maybe I'm overestimating the influence of my tweets, but am I going to get some <laughs> scan, some Finnish people saying, you know? Yeah, oh, you will, because I... I um. Uh, someone added it into uh, one of the editors who are brilliant at the athletic, but they did add in the word Scandinavian into my uh, Finland piece ahead of the world cup. And it was like, uh, no, it's not Scandinavia. Thanks. Um, in that so, case, yeah, I apologize to everyone in Finland. <laughs> okay. Representing you. I think, I think what you need to do, I think, I think I've got the answer to this then. If you're worried about yaks and things like that, in any danger, anything <laughs> that you think is a danger, you, you have Tim Krull with you. He's normally quite an affable, lovely bloke, but you tell Tim Krull that whatever it is, the danger is about to take a penalty against him. And then he turns, <laughs> doesn't he? And then the, you know, the game face goes on and he's, in, he's, he's psyching them out. He's doing all of that. And that, I, I know you didn't have much to cheer down on, on Saturday. But when he turned to you after the, the missed penalty, that wonderful sort of lion's roar that you gave about the missed penalty. That's what you want, Tim Krull, but only in about to face a penalty mode. That's what you want up a mountain. No one messes with that. 
Oh, I hope he wasn't like that during his birthday. I hope he was more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, bring me the cake. You want the cake? Yeah, you can't get that cake. <laughs> um, could have happened. Um, I guess it does bode the question, who is the least, who's the football you would least want with you? Um, <laughs> just instinctively, Kieran Dow. Don't know why. Just don't think he'd be very good. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's my fault for even, asking such a brutal question. I can't even like quantify that, but. That's just my instinct. I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I can, should say this, but Adam Eder is a man who accidentally left his passport in Ireland when he was trying to come back from an under-19s game. So it feels <laughs> like maybe he's not got the kind of logistical sense that you might need on a mountain. He wouldn't yeah. even get to Nepal or wherever Everest is. <laughs> he's not, not used to foreign travel, obviously. <laughs> I mean, if you could... What about Zimbo? Because Zimbo's busy at the minute because he's like Arcala at the minute, isn't he? He's looking after all them youngsters on the bench on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's at the mountain as well, but with his venture scouts. You know, <laughs> and Ro and Kamara are all there following Arcala Zimmerman up the mountain. I love that. I mean, I feel, I feel like you'd be spending a lot of time having to sort of pick Matthias Norman up off the floor after he stepped his toe. <laughs> yeah, that would be, you'd be spending a bit of time. I think that. Matthias Norman would fancy himself as being useful in those situations, but would oh, he'd be like, to be that, no strain yeah. on resources. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, Todd, would Todd wear a hat? You know, would he, I suppose, yeah, he probably would. I'm just, I'm just wondering about his, his hair and, you know, <laughs> self-care. Can you get Wi-Fi up there as well for, for Instagram? Yeah, probably, I was going to say, for the, think of the Insta content if you get to the top. I mean, you know, he'd be doing wonders for the Weber brand if uh, Weber does bring him in. <laughs> Puma, I suspect would those two probably wouldn't go up the mountain together. Somehow. It'd be frosty. <laughs> oh, very no. nice. And on that note, uh, that's, that's also the, the my, I can really feel my teeth now. So the painkillers are wearing off. Oh, so um, so um, <laughs> I think we, we better go before I just start wailing. Um, uh, thank you, uh, gents. What a fitting podcast. I mean, I, I don't know if I could describe it any other way. I, <laughs> I don't think, beautiful. I think the, the best way to end any 100th podcast is by saying the painkillers are wearing off. <laughs> that feels like a great way to finish. Anyone got any other business? Not for me. No. No, Kenny had no poor old Kenny. That was one of his last jobs. Um, well, in that case, um, thank you so much, everyone. I know we've run over time. Uh, I will leave you to um, say goodbye on three, if that's okay. Uh, one, two, three. Bye. Goodbye. And there they go. Oh, oh, why is my mouse not working? Oh, there we go. Bye, everyone. Uh, there we go. That was seamless. Um, uh, I think that all worked. Uh, what a lovely, brilliant bunch they are. Um, as are you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, if you want to get in touch with Twitterkers, uh, Wits End, uh, um, then hashtag Twitterkers, or you can email us directly at twitterkers at iCloud.com. Until next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>